In the 1980s, District Attorney Kent leans on Detective Hayes to go along with the official narrative framing Woodard for the disappearance and apparent deaths of the Purcell children. In the 1990s, West and Hayes go hard after Tom, pressing him to see if he was involved in the disappearance of his children, which finally breaks him. This leads to him getting a gun and seeking the truth about Julie, first from Lucy's cousin Dan, which leads him to the Hoyt Mansion. Inside, he finds a secret chamber decorated lavishly in pink and is ambushed by a Hoyt security officer, but the camera smash cuts to black before we find out his ultimate fate. In 2015, the journalist interviewing Wayne presses him for connections between all the mysterious deaths in the Purcell's case. Armed with names and addresses Henry Hayes has provided them, Wayne and Roland prepared to renew their investigation as old men. It's hard to see what they can accomplish in their condition, but justice for Julie might still hinge on their police work. Welcome to The World We Deserve, the officially unofficial podcast for True Detective on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 6, titled Hunters in the Dark. Aaron, I assume you've seen this several times now. What'd you think? Uh, I I liked it a lot. Um, I it, It's like I said last week, I, I the central mystery, whether it pans out or not, is not as important to me. Um, I felt, I guess I felt a little nervous when it started circling back around the Hoyt Foods and seems like it's going to be a for sure bigger conspiracy um and i'm like huh i wonder if that if how i feel about that but i'm not going to worry about it i i still continue to think a lot of what they're doing here is excellent this was a very 90s heavy episode Mm -hmm. there was like just a few scenes in the 80s and just a few framing uh, scenes in the uh, 2015 uh, portion of the timeline but a lot of a lot of continued good character work um oh yeah i mean there there are a couple scenes that blew me away again you know even after i saw that rolling and wayne yeah. seen a couple episodes previous uh yeah i think they're gonna start wrapping up like the investigation has come to an end in the 80s right so i assume the same thing as we get closer to the end of the season will happen with the 90s and mm-hmm. then probably we'll get a lot of gaps filled in in the 2015 Which timeline is, that's gonna be crazy the like if yeah. like the last episode's old man heavy uh, <laughs> probably will be that's my guess <laughs> You know, the other thing I realized while I was watching this is I'm getting a lot of the good, like, justified vibes. Um, like, like there's a lot of Dickie Bennett type of stuff in what Tom's doing. Yeah. Like, and there's this flying kick to the groin. <laughs> I love that's that. It's like straight out. That's straight out of the Dickie Bennett playbook. Get up, you son of a bitch, yeah. so I can kick you in the dick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of, like, there where, and, you know, like, similar to Justified, where, uh, you know, these the, these people... Um, of various intelligence levels, um, various levels of cunning, uh, be very dark, but also some kind of comedic stuff in it. And I just, uh-huh. I, I, I really enjoyed. I got a lot of laughs out of unexpected places in this episode, for sure. And, and then some of those scenes. I mean, yeah. that scene with Tom in the interrogation room. Oh man, it, Scoot, Scoot, you did a hell of a job in that scene. I, so like, pr- that's a primal Scoot right there, <sighs> the most primal, and I loved every second of it. Uh, yeah, it's great. So I, do you want to, to talk a little bit more about just generalities or shall we just dive in? Uh, we can dive in. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's dive into the deep end first in the eighties. Uh, we're seeing some, uh, some, some purple haze and Amelia's, um, uh, pillow talk here. Uh-huh. Um, boy, the, it feels like this is a thing with this couple where 
anytime they're feeling good, uh, they're just one awkward conversation away from bad feelings and judgment and recrimination. And there's just one honest conversation away from bad feelings, right? There you go. Because, uh, uh, you know, she's, I think she's pers- very perceptive of what's going on, and Wayne just is denying everything. Yeah. Like, I think he is the type of guy that would judge a woman for sleeping around. And, and Oh, I, that first scene, he's so full of shit. I mean, yeah. A, everybody judges everybody all the time. That's just how right. it goes. And right. B, you see their relationship in the 90s, and you know that yes. everything he's saying is a crock of shit. Well, and it's also, it's like a, it kind of goes full circle in this episode, because there's a brilliant scene, which we'll get to in 2015, where he's kind of apologizing for... Do, teaching his son how to do this shit. Yeah, another because thing I love. she's inviting, like, I want to know the real you. I want to get deep into this shit. Tell me about your... And I am ready to to hear him, hear them. Mm-hmm. And the person that she is, she knows what she's getting into. You know, anti-war. She, she wants to, to try to relate to him, and he does this, you know, I never really even think about it. Which... <laughs> <laughs> Might even be true, but it's profoundly uh-huh. unhealthy, and this shit's going to work its well, way out. This this hypervigilance and control shit is going to work itself out in the 90s, and you see where it, where it gets them. Yeah, I don't necessarily ascribe the same, like, pure motives to Amelia that maybe you just, you know, articulated. Oh, yeah? Uh, everything Amelia does strikes me as getting color for her characters in the book. Really? That she thinks she's eventually going to write about this case. Like, that seed has got to be rattling around in her head. Like, hmm, maybe I could turn this into something. And if I can, before they realize what I'm doing here, get get all the info from these characters, maybe I'll have a more interesting book. I don't know. You think she's boning Wayne just to get information? Not just to, but I I think... That's part of it, yeah. I mean, in the course of living her life, she's get she's collecting information that's going to turn into a hell of a book. But wow, I yeah, right. no, I don't. I certainly don't ascribe that kind of calculation. I feel like that she she actually does really care about Wayne, and the other stuff is does, just incidental, yeah. you know. Yeah, but I don't know where you can even draw the line uh, and say that one one thing is happening and the other is not happening because they're both happening simultaneously. I guess it's true that there's some careers like psychologist, journalist, actor that are just going to inherently be problematic to relationships. Like if mm-hmm. you ever date an actor and they're crying, like in the back of your mind, there's got to be at least some question that I wonder if they're just fucking, they're juicing me a little bit here. Or right. if it, you know, uh, a psychologist starts asking you pointed questions like, am I on your couch? <laughs> get the, I'm not on your, get, I'm not your, fucking client so maybe maybe she's in but she's at this point a school teacher so like Mm -hmm. some of this stuff you'd have to say that she do you do you think in the 80s she was a school teacher looking for uh a lifeboat out of there i mean that seems like it's wayne's kind of deep-seated fear but i don't know that's textual i mean the more the deeper we get into the 80s i guess more time that passes there the more i'm opening up to that possibility just because Mm -hmm. The, the the clue I, I mean the info is all out there and yeah. like we know she does eventually write a book it's just i guess detecting where that line like where her fact finding missions start and her relationships end it's a decade in you mean there's there's a lot of uh courting well, and marrying and child rearing and stuff that yeah, came yeah, in between yeah. but there but also uh, she's not she didn't just publish that book in 1990 right I think so, yeah. Like they're just getting like the proofs that that's like it, it's just coming, uh, and now yeah, I guess so. Now they want to do the right. follow on. Yeah, okay. Maybe this early in the relationship, she's not 
looking for the the dirt for her yeah. book yet. Um, That's fair. But, you know, the other thing that's interesting is that old man Wayne seems like he's got a lot of regrets about how things went down between him and Amelia. And that's mm-hmm. even without old woman Amelia there to defend herself. Yeah. Like, um, but I don't know. There's a there's a lot of interesting layered work they're doing through the decades that we'll, we'll get into in this episode. I almost think that, that old man Wayne can get to that place simply because Amelia is not around. Because mm. every time they try and get to those places in 1990... Uh, everything gets very defensive, right? Mm. And they oh, yeah, start sure. arguing, and right. and everybody, you know, puts up the walls. Right. And I, I think the fact that he's had a lot of time away from Amelia now to just think about how he's acted and not feel like he's being judged in that moment, and mm. and give himself an honest uh, accounting of the situation, he's he's starting to understand a little more. Right on. Uh, we skip a bit ahead to see Wayne being shown the backpack um, by the powers that be. And the girl's shirt that's been burnt at Woodard's. And he is shocked. He goes, this can't be. And if it is, it's not It's not the whole story. Like, the right. kids were meeting other people in the woods. And, and, and he, he is just being shut down by this Kent guy. And saying that... I mean, on all the reasons that to try to bring this to a close seem like the flimsiest kind of... Like, oh, the county is being made to look like a hee-haw sideshow. And mm-hmm. so we're going to act like even more of a hee-haw sideshow and try to sweep this under the rug, which he points out. Um, they kind of carrot and stick him with like a promise of a medal. Which uh, he doesn't give a shit about. Which yeah. he goes and throws in their face, and then they come back with the stick and says, like, look, enough. You got This is the way it's going to be. And I, I thought it was pretty perceptive of him because they mentioned, like, uh, you know, you were there. Christ, he killed 10 people, and he's like 12. And they're like, what? <laughs> Not realizing that you're you're pinning two kids on them too, fuckers. Get your story straight. I thought that was a really really powerful scene to show us how we're supposed to feel about these uh, uh, higher up prosecutors. Oh yeah. So, um, I mean, we already. I kind of think that um, we already know that this guy is compromised. Some. I. It's hard for me to tell whether he's compromised politically or he's actually being paid off by someone's like the Hoyts. Yeah, how intimately is he involved in this? Is he just sort of a tool that's being used on the side? Yeah. Or or is he, you know, intimately familiar with the details of this case and is just trying to cover his own ass? Yeah, because it's like, obviously, he's a politically motivated animal, and I can see the bullshit politics way to look at this that would justify this behavior, but Mm -hmm. also... Also, he could be fucking Dirty Bird, too. Yeah, there's a big conspiracy out there. Yeah. Um, So Kent calls a press conference at the community center and says, yep, Woodard did it, and then just murders his character, talking Mm -hmm. about him being malignant and vicious, and Jesus Christ, it's it's awful knowing what we know about the context of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tom tries to comfort Lucy, and she's not having it. Uh, As a result, he storms out. Lucy storms out. Um, Amelia tries to defend her from a reporter who's doing that stupid shit where she's f- finds an angry or sad family member and just hounds them. What it is this? Why is this allowed? Why is this legal? Why is this like? I feel like every grieving family member should have a police escort to their vehicle just to beat ju- dumbass journalist off with a stick. <laughs> right? No, it shouldn't be allowed, and I don't think it is legal. I think this is actually harassment, is like it? Amelia says, like, because I feel like it's a First Amendment thing. But on the other hand. God damn it. Has there ever been anything useful or interesting or newsworthy that's ever come out of an attempt to browbeat a family member like this? It's just yeah. gross. It is. No. Uh, but Lucy's not doesn't give a shit about Amelia either. Um, 
Pumpkin Lady. I was going to say Pumpkin Lady has a very Melissa McCarthy scene where she like kind of runs out like, puffing and puffing out there. I'm going to have to get out. You know, I thought that was pretty funny. It was too, but I'm like, I'm wondering why is she in every other scene in the 80s? Because she is in on it. <laughs> she can't be, right? There's... She's She was paid off in pumpkins and lots of it. Can I Can I ask you something, a serious question? <laughs> sure. Um, is, is Lucy's behavior in this scene consistent with someone who has come up with an arrangement with a rich person to sell their children <laughs> into some kind of... Uh, weird family situation i don't think so um it's a sort of strange reaction like unless she's just angry that it's being pinned on woodard because she feels bad about that but that it's such an extreme reaction plus i was just so sure when she turned the corner on amelia last episode that it was legit that like she was trying to open up about her feelings about being trapped and how that's making her feel guilty as a parent and then amelia misconstrued them as her knowing more than she does and now Mm -hmm. it seems like that's all kind of coming to pass and so so maybe it's just because I felt so sure about the other that I'm like, I don't know about this Hoyt stuff, but also I know that that was one of the themes of True Detective that um, Pizzolatto was wanting to play with this concept of, you know, running with facts before you have all the evidence and jumping to conclusions. And it would be interesting yeah. if there was like a like a kind of nested doll approach where every decade something like that happens. The first it was Woodard. Second, it's going to be Hoyt. And third, it's going to be whatever the, the culmination, uh, whether, whether they get it right yeah. this time or whether it's going to be another kind of like a darker disappointment season, season one kind of thing yeah. do you think do you think i'm being paranoid thinking that or, or, or... no I, I think this episode everyone has all but come to the conclusion that lucy was in fact in on it including the detectives including the audience i don't know that that's necessarily how it has to how it has to be i mean lucy yeah. could have found out that the hoyts kidnapped uh, or uh, well, okay. I'm making a big assumption here about the Hoyts, but I think it's warranted. Yeah, no, case. they want you to think that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, but, but I mean, if she finds out who kidnapped her daughter, yeah. and now she's going after them, or she's threatening to go yeah. to the police or something, she could be offed just for that. Or they try she to doesn't buy necessarily, her off. Or, yeah, she's yeah. not involved, but she now knows or she suspects. Or, and, and people are like guessing where the money came from. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how much Dan O'Brien actually knows. Hmm. He clearly knows enough to end up in a quarry yeah um but maybe he's helping lucy get the daughter back you know i there are a lot of assumptions that we're making about the things that were told this episode exactly and i i think it's fair to like speculate and i think the you know the audience has it mostly right when it comes down to the hoyts and probably lucy's relationship but not necessarily yeah i know and i I, that's what i'm saying like i think it seemed it seems crazy to suggest with only two episodes to go that we still don't have big pieces, but because of the nature of the way that they're telling the story, I think that's almost the point. Yeah. But I could be wrong. It could be very straightforward, and this is all going to be some combination of Hoyt and, you know, uh, the James guy getting killed because he knew too much, or... Uh, well, that's the thing. The James thing really sticks out to me because it seems like the smoking gun here, right? Like, okay, James did it. He did it at the behest of the Hoyts. The Hoyts kidnapped the daughter because they wanted to replace the grandchild they lost. Mm-hmm open and shut case and i think in the 90s that's what wayne and roland think and that right. leads them to kill james right but 
we clearly know there are more facts out there that they haven't considered, right, right. in the 2015 timeline. So yeah. when we go back and we look at that, are we going to say, well, they got it right? Or are we going to say there was more to the story and they got it wrong just like the 80s? I think they're at least going to fuck up. Well, we know they fucked up the 80s. I think they're they're going to fuck up the 90s, too. Yeah. And then and the only question I have is where, whether things will get right in 2015 or whether it's just going to be... And it could be maybe it's a Rust, Cole, Marty type of situation mm-hmm. where they get a guy yeah but and and maybe the light wins a bit but there's still a lot of darkness out there um, for sure i don't know uh that's kind of all we got for the 1980s let's uh, go ahead and move into the 90s we're here to talk about what's going on here at baldmove.com uh on our bald movies feed we covered Le- the lego movie 2 last week this week we are talking about alita battle angel we're going to see that Thursday night, as well as High Flying Bird, a new Netflix original movie we'll be checking out. And on the Bald Move TV front, last week we had complete coverage of the Netflix series Russian Doll, which we enjoyed the hell out of, as well as first looks of at uh, Umbrella Academy and Lorena. Uh, Lorena, rather. Those are two, uh, uh, two Netflix original shows that are debuting this week. Finally, I want to uh, really thank people for participating in the 24-hour Star Wars marathon we did last weekend for charity. We raised over $15,500 for the National Alliance to End Homelessness. Uh, we wouldn't be surprised to see that number go north of 16000 by the time we add up all the stuff, uh, all the extra stuff that, that's coming in. And we got a shout-out from Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill on Twitter, which was amazing. Uh, we're going to have a wrap up pod later this week or maybe early next week where we talk about the experience from Gemini's perspective and our final totals. And we're going to have interviews with the national Alliance about how they're going to be using the money in 20, 2019. Uh, but if you missed it and want to see what all the fuss is about and get the latest updates, you can go to groundhog.baldmove.com. It's also not still too late to donate. So if you want to help us write an even bigger check to help the homeless, Smash that donation link at the top of groundhog.baldmove.com. Yeah, um, I'm, uh, I'm also working on uh, getting the archives of that up because we did record all of it, uh, but there are some issues with the copyright strikes. I, I don't know how it's like audio coming over our mics or something, and yeah, uh, it's a pain. But we'll get that figured out. the The videos, the archive videos, might just be up a little later than we said they would and if you don't want to wait for them to hit youtube you can actually click on a link on the groundhog.baldmove.com page that will take you to the twitch archives which will be up for at least the next two weeks if you want to check that out but i just at the end i just want to say what a wonderful community that we have and i'm so proud of how it all turned out this weekend and how fun and rewarding it 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 all was and i can't wait to do it again next year all right let's get back to the episode uh, we find out that Tom didn't have an alibi p- pass like late in the afternoon uh, that, you know, he went inside before darkness fell and drank and watched a baseball game and no one could vouch for him. And the Kent and I guess the p- state police commandant or whatever the fuck you'd call that find out about that. And they're just like, oh, I can't believe you let this go. I can't believe you let this go. They want to really push Tom hard. And you can tell that especially... Um, Roland does not want to do this, yeah. but it's kind of like, I don't want to do this to my friend or this guy I think is innocent, but I'm going to do it because if I let these other guys, they're just going to tear him apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do. And it's, it's a pretty uncomfortable scene and it ends with Scoot McNary, uh, roaring like a beast because yeah. he's in so much, uh, 
just like Kafka-esque emotional pain. Yeah. You know? The, the anger, the the frustration, the disbelief. I mean, it all comes out in that that animal roar at the yeah. end. And it's... I mean, the whole scene is incredible. Yeah. The, uh, Scoot, R- Roland. I, Roland's doing such... Roland. Uh, Steven Dorff is doing such subtle work in this scene. Just with the the very small looks he's giving, you plus know, even you though can... we know he's got a lot of compassion for Tom, he is being a hard ass. Yeah, he's because, got to. That's because he job knows and... if he is anything less than that, the, yeah. the this this other jackass is going to rip him out of the booth and send in the Mad Dogs. Yeah, and it's almost worse than if he'd never gone in there in the first place, right? Right, right. <laughs> so he's got to do his full job here. Yeah, but it's destroying this man who he spent the last at least five years helping get clean and sure. sober and come to terms with the loss of his daughter and and child and other son I, this is a devastating scene and i love and it and it might end up i mean we don't know exactly what happens when things fade to black this episode but this might actually lead to the death of tom it i could, mean yeah. it certainly has broken him he's fallen off the wagon <laughs> he's, he's completely abandoned sobriety he doesn't know he's he's desperate he's violent uh-huh. um yeah, it's, he's breaking and entering into the Hoyt compound. And this scene is what makes you believe, because I, I think without this scene, some of this other shit would have been laughable. Yeah. But like this is a man who has has had enough. This is like Michael Douglas and falling down, you know? Yeah. And he thought he had it all handled. Yeah. And then it crashes down. Um, so, I mean, they hit him everything. They hit him with the, like, yeah, your wife is, uh, she's passed around, and, uh, you, maybe you're a pervert on your kids, you fucking pervert with your people, you pervert, and maybe it's not mm-hmm. even your child, and it's, whew, whew, <laughs> hard to watch. Uh, so then they get out, and Kent and the state police guy are just incredulous about Tom, and they think he colluded or even framed Woodard, um, Wes says there's no evidence to to arrest him. They want to do the 24-hour hold and try to justify it. And they're planning to search his place and do a whole bunch of other shit. Um, So Hayes reveals that he's withholding information on the backpack. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So so that's a private suspicion Hayes had, and they haven't entered it into the official narrative, I guess. Yeah. Because they don't want... Why why is that exactly again? I mean... You don't know how many people are dirty, I guess. If if you suspect someone on your team of planting something, Mm -hmm. uh, some bit of evidence, then I suppose you don't know how far that rabbit hole goes down. Was it also like maybe a fear that like if he says that three hours later, it'll be on the national the the, the evening news, and then it's like, well, shit. Now everyone knows. It could be either. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I think what they want to do is investigate Hoyt. Or mm-hmm. sorry, not Hoyt, uh, James. Before the the cops get, you know, either an opportunity to tip them off inadvertently or intentionally. Yeah. Um, we then have a scene where uh, Amelia's tying Wayne's tie, and it's the longest, most fumbling neck tying sequence in the history of tying ties. Like it goes, <laughs> it goes on for like five minutes because that's how long the dialogue requires it to uh-huh. uh it's kind of funny and distracting i think but it's the same old amelia and wayne thing where yeah. he's in denial about the things he's doing uh she's maybe a bit too aggressive about pointing him out but then again this is 10 years into relationship that this has clearly been an issue yeah she's frustrated and uh you know i can see his point about her this, this kind of voyeurism being gross to him as a police officer but 
Jesus Christ, at some point you either got to get on board, let it go, or take a stand. You can't just be doing this, I don't even know, fucking henpecking her about her chosen career that she's successful at. Right. So, what do you, um, I don't know, I, I do think that she's slightly wrong about him preferring running free and having trouble breathing. I think it's more, I, I don't think he's trying to run from his family. I think this is in a weird way him trying to protect and control you know, like protect protect this family through extreme control. Like, I don't want any of this darkness touching you. I, I'm going, to, you know, like I'm going to lose my shit if I lose track of you for five seconds at Walmart. I'm going to lose my shit if I hear a detective refer to you as an ex-wife because I think you're cheating on me. It's like he's just really tightly wound. He is, yeah. Um, I, the the thing that I was thinking about during these scenes is sort of the the narrative structure here, like mm-hmm. what. Why are they hitting us with so many scenes of Amelia and Wayne and their home life? Uh, I think that's intentional to keep that thread going because the book is going to be so important yeah. to the ultimate uh, conclusion of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've made a big point about you know how Wayne hasn't read the whole thing. He's reading it in 2015. He's learning things from it, making new connections. I think it's going to be that that relationship is the thing that finally opens the doors to solving this case. Yeah. Um, so that's probably why they're, they're keeping that front, uh, in the front of our minds. Mm. And I, I hope it's satisfying. I'm starting to grow a little bit tired, but when you pair it with this other scene Mm -hmm. that we have in 2015 with Wayne and his son, Mm -hmm. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. It's very satisfying. Because uh, you need to see, you need a, a little reminder here. Look, the Wayne is closed off. Wayne is, you know, doing things that affect this relationship negatively, and he now sees his son doing the same thing. Yeah, maybe in a little more pronounced way. You know, with cheating. Well, I also think that this epi- this season is going to like we're going to see the dissolution of their relationship um, of of Wayne and and Amelia's. Like, I feel like that they're getting to a fracturing point here. Yeah. I guess it makes me wonder what the status was when she died. Right, right. So I, I wonder, and and the reason I think that maybe they're they're banging this home is not only because they use it to fuel nice moments between him and his son, but also the fact that like to keep the audience from getting emotional whiplash from seeing this relationship like sunrise and sunset yeah. over eight episodes, like they have to you know really hit these so it, it'll be believable that you can see like why because you know again. There's a lot of passion there. Uh, there's a lot of admiration about each other's spirit. It's just all of the factual and like ethical and moral hookups don't quite line up. So yeah. it's just a bad because it's it's so antagonistic. Like they give each other the least ch- amount of charity. It seems like when they're making these arguments, mm-hmm. um, and it's a shame. Uh, so next, Roland we- uh, or sorry, West and Hayes goes to talk to Tom's old school bus factory boss where he reveals that even before the disappearance, Tom was kind of on his way out for being a day drinker and for kind of being a, a money grubber and perhaps worst of all for 80s Arkansas, <laughs> right. potentially a gay man. Yeah. I think we can stop the potentially. Oh, yeah, I think so. Tom is a, is a closeted and, and can, very conflicted and confused mm-hmm. uh, and, and very guilty and ashamed uh, gay man living in Arkansas or bisexual. That's, right. That's also I, possible. I am curious how much that plays into, you know, this idea that the kids perhaps aren't his. Um, yeah. Like, how how much of this does Tom himself know, I guess? Mm. is like, it, it, is it a case where 
he and Lucy didn't even have sex? Like, does he know and he just married her for some other reason and then he came to love the kids as his own afterward? Like, I think that he loved... I, so, I, I don't know. I mean... To me, like the more we find out, the more I'm starting to understand like Lucy and his dynamic that it sounds like that maybe, you know, he didn't want to be gay, obviously. And he like Lucy was kind of like this. uh, Yeah, I'm going to prove I'm not gay. I'm going to try to make this kind of like, you know, classic beard relationship. And then she finds out. And now she starts the soul of a horror stuff because that seems like a very dirty trick to play on somebody. And I do think he does love the children oh, because, yeah. you yeah. know, he's not a monster. And he ra- whether they're biologically his, he certainly certainly raised them. Yeah. Um. So I but but yeah, like I, I remember thinking this like Lucy's just, uh, you know, crazy bitch in the first few episodes. But, I, you know, the more we find out about the relationship, uh. That still might be true, but like she came by honestly, it seems like mm-hmm. had a pretty pretty rough pretty rough childhood, um, and then yeah, young adulthood. Do you? Sh- so they then go and get a warrant to search Tom's house in the nineties, and they find just a bunch of past due bills. Uh, they find a bunch of uh, pictures of Julie, lotto cards, and poker chips to underline the financial situation he's in and then a bunch of uh, drawer full of condoms and gay conversion literature mm-hmm. uh that's you know that's the, that's the combo i think that's his, his personal like you know if you ever if you're uh, ever driving on i-75 south you will come across like a 300 foot tall cross <laughs> and in the shadow of that cross stands yeah. the world's loneliest porn store uh-huh. i think that's t- that's tom's personal cross like he's trying <laughs> If he has to go in for the condoms, he's got to his hands got to brush that brochure. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what what a poor guy. Um yeah. so and Hayes, I think it's interesting in this relationship with with Hayes and West because Hayes can see it. He's like, "Okay, here's my detective mind Plinko in this. I got a got a closet of gay man, Devil's uh Den is a known cruising spot. There's a motive there. He's meeting people and who and West is like shutting it down. Like, no, fuck you, man. This 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 guy, like whatever he else might be, he's not going to kill and kidnap kids. Yeah. So and I mean, I I believe Roland much more than I believe Wayne. Roland sure. knows the man. Right. Personally. I also am less than reassured by, you know, Hayes assurances that, well, if he's he, if he's not guilty, we'll clear him. Like that's yeah. that's what that's what intense police police scrutiny always does. Always always clears the suspect uh, if they're if they're innocent. So uh, there there are big question marks all over Roland this week. Yeah, uh, as far as his uh, preferred sexual status, I think a lot of people are saying, "Oh so? well, he knows." Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's I don't for... think so. Okay, I don't okay. think so. But um, it's a conversation that's worth having, right? But it is a conversation everyone is having. Uh, do, do you think there's any there there like th- there are occasionally like looks but there are also looks that i would say kind of lean away from roland being gay like it, I, I don't know it's it's tough to say in especially in the 1980s in a rural setting uh there are a lot of things that roland would do maybe i don't know hit on a churchgoer uh, uh, a beautiful female churchgoer right uh Maybe. To kind of hide the fact that he would be gay, right? Mm. And he is kind of like, you know, all about that pussy. 
in a way that like in a way that either like that really I'll, straight <laughs> alpha male type are right. or in a way that like closeted gay men I, I are, think right? the real alpha types don't, aren't that about the pussy i think it's like I very know, insecure I've seen, a lot of, I've seen a lot of movies <laughs> <laughs> but it's like always strikes me as like super insecure to have to be beat that drum and like every right, and he works right. he, in, in the early episodes he was working it in a lot you know and then, but uh, i guess it yeah. also made cut because his digs about priests and this other stuff um i think yeah. and and you know the other thing is the fact that he's a bachelor in his old age and that the relationship mysteriously ended and but like you know that happens it's it's circumstantial evidence um i just think of like the back when they held hands and prayed in I felt like it, I went back and rewatched that show. Remember when Tom asked him to pray and he right. held his and they prayed yeah. like I felt like there'd be a different energy there if Roland was like, yeah, I'm gay, too. And and I'm uh-huh. white knuckling this thing. Uh-huh. It felt more of like just, you know, kind of like pity and sympathy for the man rather than uh, like this is some kind of forbidden thing we're doing. But it also, like I said, it's it's certainly something that it's not coming out of nowhere if that, sure. that turns out to be the case. Yeah. I, I think there's room to, to argue either side of that. And I'm, I guess I'm curious to see where the show comes down on it. But, yeah. But Tom, yeah, definitely gay. But it's also interesting because, you know, I think there's, a, I could also see if Roland was a gay or bisexual man, he would bristle at the idea that like, Oh, well, this, you've found out the guy's gay. He's got a secret probably killed two kids like you know the like the sinister gay kind of trope which is actually yeah, also I, I in this he, episode he does in this episode right yeah. like it, although I, so a lot of people are reading into that car scene with Rowan and Wayne where mm-hmm. Wayne's like oh yeah you know he's gay and so they're he's hiding secrets and shit and Rowan says fuck off right it's it's more like a fuck off that says i know this man and he yeah. is not that kind of guy who yeah. would kill his child and right. kidnap another yeah yeah uh I, I didn't read it as like fuck off gay people aren't that bad right uh which fuck off gay people aren't that bad yeah <laughs> but I'm, also i i think roland was very much saying tom's not that guy yeah uh so these guys uh get in their car and they track down harris james uh and they find out that he's now head of security of hoyt foods mm. uh well paid perhaps too well paid <laughs> For <laughs> for guarding chicken recipes for a man guarding the eleven herbs and spices. Yeah, nice KFC uh, thing there. He has a, a nice little kind of quippy response about why it took over two days to find a backpack. Uh, he seems to remember Tom was yeah. skulking around the scene, which I don't know about all that. He has a quippy response for everything. He really does. He really does. Like, oh, why'd you why'd you leave the force? So oh, my hemorrhoids and fifteen thousand dollars a year was really tempting, but yeah, I right. don't know. At the at the end, I just had to had to tell those hemorrhoids f- fuck off. Um, yeah, yeah. And Wayne di- kind of like gets a dig in at him for being a glorified mall cop, and then he tries to dig back about you know being a donut chaser, and that leads to him making an awkward pass at Wayne, yeah. which sets up uh, Harris James as being one of those uh, sinister gays of Hollywood. Sure, yeah. sure, it does. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of that, but it's also connects him to Tom, right? And right, maybe the the quote unquote. And then now you got a queer potential, you got a potential love triangle, right? Uh, that are like half of it involved, or more than two thirds of it involved in aiding and abetting a crime. It's, or you have a convenient uh, accomplice, right? Yes. like you already are aware of like Tom's comings and goings. Right, you 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 know the man maybe yeah. a little more than most yeah, I, yeah. 
I don't know where they're going with this, but they're clearly connecting him with Tom on I wonder a more if they, personal like, level. Like, yeah, I could see it. this is kind of um, a way, like, uh, they have this information about Tom, and they know they could pin this crime on him uh, because everybody's, you know, because they, they remember that in the, the first episode, there's this uproar about the state of Devil's Den and how those gays were back there and the devil worship and all this stuff. So there's it'd be easy to pin the narrative, and then Woodard just went and put a big old flashing arrow that says it's me and they just went with that plan instead yeah and then like i wonder if the 90s are going to be kind of like plan a revisited um now, i mean i think it's almost conclusively proven at this point that harris james is involved wayne and Rowan are going to find out yeah and hoyts are like like i said there might be more to the story and like lucy may or may not be involved as to some but like yeah there's no fuck like the pink room yeah come on yeah you can't uh, ignore the pink room. Right. Like, come on now. Oh, um, now, did you see that at one point, Wayne's kind of feasting his eyes all about the place, and he, his eyes light on a uh, a big game picture mm-hmm. uh, hunt of a deer of some sort, and it's got uh, James Harris and presumably Mr. Hoyt. Our buddy Joanna Robinson just broke uh, a couple hours, or maybe yesterday, the news that uh, that's actually a picture of Michael Rooker. Oh, yeah. No, I saw that on Reddit. Yeah, shortly after who's, the who's, who was signed on. They've kept us under wraps, uh, but mm-hmm. but the, the, he signed on to play Mr. Hoyt. So, yeah, probably one of the hunters in the darkness that they're talking about. We've we've okay. often talked about how they're in episode two that they're kind of uh, pitting Mr. Hoyt, a big game hunter in Africa versus, mm-hmm. you know, Wayne, uh, a, a hunter of man. And it's it's interesting that they're they're continuing that kind of motif. So, yeah. Uh, that'll be interesting because I think Mr. Rooker does a lot of good work. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of quips, uh, also I got a lot of kick. I, I got a kick out of the whole idea of God. Got should have put in the extra day instead of half assing creation. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, Amelia visits a, co- a covenant to talk about Julie. She asks around with uh, some of the girls, and one of them kind of knew her relatively well. Mentioned that their group broke apart because of threats of drugs and prostitution. Um, and mentioned that she was said she lived in a pink castle with pink rooms, and the it, one of the interesting things that happened this episode or this the scene is a truck with Arden uh, uh, labeled Arden Landscaping pulls up and kind of like drags the camera to it. Uh, Jim, what's what's the deal there? It's the Yellow King. <laughs> that right there is the yellow king folks yellow king pin, landscaping yeah, just pin the crime on him and the conspiracy is solved just like season one did you see that, that, that he's actually supposed to be one of the like there's a theory that he is one of the little boys that was interviewed in yeah it's the, mike uh I, I think it actually is based on imdb information i think right. it is actually him like okay. mike ardoin arden i don't know yeah, how to yeah. Say it. okay what is the connection there uh, good question. I don't know. I mean, you're, uh, it's, it's got to be something because the scene's there, and also they did pull, like, the gravity of his arrival pulled the camera's focus to him, so... I will say th- that the speculation I saw from uh, Joanna Robinson on uh, Vanity Fair, Variety? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair, um, is that he is somehow involved in hiding Julie because they were childhood friends, or, or at least uh, he knows more. He, yeah, he had like a crush on her, and it's conceivable that like, you know, being a landscaper there, he had contact with her, and maybe he realized, hey, she wanted to out of this situation and to get away, and so he helped her. Okay, potentially. 
moving on, Dan, Uncle Creepy Uncle Dan calls Weston Hayes and says he wants seven thousand dollars from him to break this case wide open. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wayne and uh, Roland uh, a counter offer that we can just beat the holy fuck out of you until you give this information, and he says you don't got that time. Yeah. And like I said, this is this is where like this is kind of peak justified. Uh, the, the just this so his reactions, yeah. man. When like Wayne makes the kind of so you saying all this is related? He's like, whoa, what, whoa, yeah, uh, yeah, goddamn, yes, <laughs> I'm saying like he just can't believe they're so obtuse. It's, no, I love it. It's it's, it's great. Very, yeah, his his strung out druggy look is pretty good, especially since he's shocked that I think he's actually legitimately shocked that the cops don't know more than they do. Mm, like yeah. that they are so fuff with thumbs far up their asses that they they're even suspecting like Tom. Uh, which he 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 is open openly con- contemptuous of. Why seven thousand? Is that just what he thinks he can get? <laughs> Probably. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Like, it, 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 how I, much I wonder, does like that's the uh, buy-in at the poker tourney? At, you know that he wants to <laughs> yeah. try to get in. He, it's got it's got it's it's such a weird amount that it's got to be like what he needs to start an ice cream truck business or right. some or shit. How much a does plan. a key of cocaine cost? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> like, I, I'm trying to scrape up enough money to get a package. Once I get that package. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to Jay-Z it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of like really creepy information in, in the, the margins here where we find out that Lucy moved in with him when she was just four years old and that, they shared a lot of milestones and the way he oh that's creepy the way he widens his eyes and wiggles his eyebrows at milestones makes me literally throw up in my mouth i mean he basically said we took each other's virginity right amongst other things sure yeah yeah. or is he talking specifically about the abuse that they suffered together it's so contextual that it could be fairly innocent but the look on his face does not say innocent right right which to me leads back into the idea that Dan is actually the father of these children. Yeah, I think that's true. And and especially the reaction, the extreme reaction he had at being confronted about perhaps being a child molester of those, mm-hmm. like I, I think kind of sells that too. Um, so uh, moving on, uh, Hayes a- after this thinks they should still cover their bases, check the phone records of Lucy's hotel, check on Tom's whereabouts during her death, but also... Maybe requisition that cash. Uh-huh. Uh, Tom's released. He wants to go see Lieutenant West. Instead, he's treated to one of the most shockingly badly written and acted scenes I've seen in a show this good. These two detectives that are in the bullpen just like bitching about basic police work. And oh, dr- yeah, like yeah. it's Ed Wood bad. Like these guys, <laughs> I don't I don't know whether they're like I I don't I yeah this is just bad this is just this is just bad like I don't buy that these guys are characters they're just hmm. they're they're just really bad they're exposition they're they're clue machines for yeah. Tom yeah yeah and again they're this like whole like can you believe they wanted to pull phone records about a person who was killed as material to the case like come it's on like a waste of our time what we got to fucking do these motherfuckers I got a to, lot of donuts to eat god damn it they need to go to the Lester <laughs> Freeman school so he can teach them how to fucking put people away and make doll furniture and fat stacks on the side but stop sucking at their jobs anyway yeah. uh the most important thing is he overhears Dan's in town mm-hmm so and he knows he knows where Dan likes to hide out because Dan's among other things a creature of habit. Um, there's kind of a cool scene where they're driving back to the town and like Roland marvels about how fast the town dies and 
you know, Hayes says that it wasn't dead. It was, or it wasn't, didn't, didn't die. It was murdered. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, this also, uh, Wayne realizes that Roland's taking him home instead of back to the office and just throws a fucking fit about it. Yeah. Uh, is this Roland being obstructionist or is this Wayne being maniacal? I think it's more the latter. Yeah, me too. I don't think Roland is trying to obstruct anything. I there's think he's a, just not as dedicated as Wayne. There's a lot of people pushing that, though. That, yeah, like, Roland is, is obstructing. Like, I think Roland no. is appropriately cautious of mm-hmm. dealing with high-level politics and knows that you can fuck up a case more than just in, in just more than in one way. If the bosses shut you down, then all you got is essentially the only tactic you got there is, you know, Russ Cole and, and uh, Marty and their fucking storage shed operation you know no, you, you I, lose out a lot of resources yeah i think the only sin that roland is guilty of is being a little too protective of his own status mm. uh in the police force mm-hmm. and you know it pays off in big ways as far as making lieutenant and all these these sorts of things but i don't see him as dirty at all i don't either uh he did though however leave wayne in the literal dust i thought yeah. the way they held that door you see like him kind of choking and... bad for marshall yeah. it's like yeah fuck this guy to walk through this giant cloud of dust choking and hacking and yeah yeah yeah. i hope he's like you know doesn't die of some weird methylosomia <laughs> from from right. from arkansas dust when he's 57 yeah got a lot to answer for pizzolato if you, you take mahershala from us <laughs> Uh, Tom shows up and just wilds out on Dan, holds him at gunpoint. Uh, he has some badass, uh, uh, unexpectedly badass lines. I heard you want to pay out. Let's pretend each of these bullets is a thousand bucks. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yep. Uh, Dan tries to get the gun away from him, but Tom beats him down and does a flying Superman kick into his crotch, <laughs> which is the most amazing moment it's in this worth episode. it's worth rewinding and watching a few times absolutely like the the just the physical stunt and and the guys selling it is like straight <laughs> out of the wwe playbook but it's it's so good it's so good yeah um but he lays out that fact that essentially lucy's being paid off to either give up her kids or look the other way and the hoits behind it uh, that's the information he was uh, mm-hmm. trying to keep for the cops. Yeah, uh, it, it seems it, uh, they're they're weird things in this episode where I feel like they're trying to still play a mystery with like James and mm-hmm. like what his fate's gonna be. But we, right. as an audience, because we've been theorizing with the community, already know. Yeah. Like, we've basically got that figured out. Same with, like, the, the, the Hoyt's involvement in general. Like, they played yeah. this moment as a big reveal, and yeah. I'm like... Is it that big of a reveal? We kind of knew this or or really suspected it with I strong think, evidence. I think, and I felt a little bit of that with the notes passed through the, the whole, but I, I got to say that, like, I always try to keep in mind that people that listen and make podcasts are like the 1% of the audience. There's several million people watching this show, and there's a few hundred thousand probably listening to these podcasts and reading the articles. And yeah. what's obvious to 100,000 people all working together to notice insane details is probably blowing the fucking minds out of the other yeah. 99% of the people watching the show. No, frankly, that's the downside. Like, I don't, I can't quite enjoy the show the way it's intended to. Yeah. 
but yeah. you know that's that's what comes with the territory but everything tracked and it felt pretty like it did, mm-hmm. and i think the drama worked despite and that's that's the crucial thing because i've seen shows like this where the drama completely is let out but you yeah you feel enough about just the fucking surreal situation that tom's in that him it, it's an event when he finds it out because uh you know he sells the reaction and and you kind of care vicariously so uh, Wayne then uh, walks his way back to the old um, Tom residence. I've, I've I blanked on their last name. Purcell. Yeah. The Purcell residence. And it's turned into kind of like a Walter White Memorial trap house right. with graffiti. And it's like where the kids go and smoke and do other stuff. And he gives another look at the little peephole between the kids' rooms and concludes that it's a message conveying device. Which, man, I concluded that in episode two. Yes. With the help of a pod, our podcast feedback, Reddit, and Vanity Fair, we 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 figured none of that, that out. None of that. It seemed obvious to me. Did you really? Yeah. Well, as okay. soon as he finds those notes, I'm like, oh, that's what was going through that peephole. Gotcha. It seems too obvious that it was a peephole. Gotcha. A lot of people think it's a glory hole for Tom's exceptionally skinny dick, <laughs> which I don't know why he'd be. It, it, he must have gone the other way with it, right? I Tom's mean, if he's a gay man with an exceptionally skinny dick, he's he's in Julie's room sticking his dick through the wall. It's got to be. I'm not going to touch any of that analysis. Uh, (laughs) I I will say his name is Tom Purses, not Tom Needledick. I don't know what that that means. But uh, anyway, Tom Purses. I wonder if that's like, like refers to the fact that him and Lucy took advantage of him monetarily. Like Lucy never cared about him. He was just the purse. I don't know. Or the fact that Dan has done that to him. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, so Amelia is doing some reading from her book on a promotion of some sorts. I'm not clear exactly where this is and when it's taking place other than the nineties mm-hmm. and the one eyed man that, uh, uh, Roland and Wayne kind of hassled in his uh, no. trailer. What is a different one eyed man? Are you serious? At least it's played by a different man. I don't think they would get that actor. I, I don't think they would hire a different actor for a 10 year gap. When he's already that old. How many... One, well, I guess they yeah, actually they said, said that. There's a, there's a shit, a shit ton of one-eyed there, grizzled yeah. dudes um, in, in the, because of the chicken Yeah, this plant. is not Sam Whitehead. This is okay. another guy okay. with a milky eye. So is this then... Because I, I never bought that Sam was the guy involved. So is this? do you think this is the guy? Because he seems like he's way involved in this investigation. Yeah, he's pretty angry. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we, they, they give us no information. It's simply presenting us with another one-eyed yeah. black man and he they say he heckles her about not knowing where the girl is not knowing anything and how she's just profiting off her pain and after he walks off there's this weird whisper where amelia says dolls which i guess they're trying to make that connection i guess she didn't know much about maybe. the doll stuff maybe there's probably not a lot of doll stuff in her book i would assume from this scene i think i'm just blown away that it's a different guy because yeah the 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 one guy did he admit to buying doll? No, okay. No, so okay, he just that, said you're right. Come see the violence inherent in the system. Essentially. Yeah, okay, okay. Because I, I somehow thought that they he had copped to buying the dolls, but um, anyway, I don't think so. I think you're right. Uh, Tom decides to go on a Russ Cole style smash and grab of a rich man's house, and unfortunately is not even a tenth of stealthy and professional as Mister Russ Cole. Because he goes in and just just rolls up in the Hoyts. It seems like once they caught him on camera that uh, this James guy was just kind of like luring him in. 
And he's led to this safe that looks like it's designed to hold radioactive waste for 10,000 years and keep people from (laughs) it. Um, That goes down a long brick hallway to a fairly nondescript residential door that opens up into just this pink Pepto-Bismol nightmare. Uh, Tom steps forward, looks confusedly into the camera and says, Julie, and then is taken surprised by a sinister gay man. Uh, (laughs) Right. What? And and then uh, there was a I saw some kind of half-baked analysis that he got cattle prodded because there's a sizzling electrical noise in the credit sequence. But Hmm. it happens like 10 seconds into the credit sequence and repeats in 30 second intervals. I'm pretty sure it's just part of the weird soundtrack they got going. Also, does it matter? Like, I mean, the the whole point of that scene is to say that he's being captured, right? Like, I think people are saying killed and whether if if he got tasered, then there's there's more to come where if he's dead, then he's just going to be worm food. I mean, I think he's dead, like. I, I don't know that this is the scene where they kill him, but he is going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're playing real cagey about whether he's actually dead, missing. How could or... he not be at this point? No, I, I, I think, I, but I'm saying that in the 2015 timeline, they're very careful to make sure the producer yeah. includes Tom in with like a set of people who have disappeared, but never actually says that he's gone or dead. Just mm-hmm. like, what connection do you think Tom had with like, that means that maybe Tom's responsible for it. It means that Tom is one of the dead missing persons. Like, I just think that they're walking that rhetorical tightrope. Or maybe she suspects that Wayne you know, off Tom. Yes. Uh, maybe along with James, that, that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I, I think whatever happens, maybe the uh, producer's actually Tom grown up dead. Julia and she's trying to get Wayne all up in some kind of, no, that's yeah, that's guaranteed. That's a lock. That's actually a theory, but lock it in. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about 2015 then. Okay. Uh, we've, we kind of talked about a lot of this stuff. The documentary host seems very, interested in tying a neat bow around the disappearance of Lucy, Dan, the detective who found the backpack and Tom. Um, she openly wonders if one day they'll find detective James in the uh, stone quarry and she finds a sheer number of fatalities of the case significant. Nah, Wayne hit him better than that. This, this calls for Wayne to be like, all right, fuck this. I'm done for the day. Him and Henry talk about women and Wayne uh, drops the fact that we all have suspected for weeks that he knows that Henry is stepping out on his wife with the producer. Um, it's a really good scene where Wayne tries to probe him about, did I teach you to like withhold? And then his son's response is, I don't understand the question. And Wayne yeah. treats it as if he said, yes, dad, you're absolutely right. Because he understands that, yes, this this is confirmation of I'm not yeah. being really obtuse here, boy. You're just avoiding the question because it's uncomfortable. Um, it's hey, that's great. great. Great scene. Yeah. And the whole like I used to be a brave man and you turned like you know, you your mother and your you, your sister turned turned me into uh, being a coward. Um, but. Yeah. It's also interesting him saying, like, you can't shrink back, you can't hold back, you can't be stingy with yourself. Um, It's like, it's hard. I mean, it feels like it's hard to give your son advice that you yourself didn't take. Yeah, and that's why I say, like, it's it's almost tragic that it's taken him this long to realize it and that he had to get away from the people that he was doing that to to even realize that he was doing it because he was so wrapped up in doing it. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a truly sad scene. It is. Um, but also like, I feel good that old man Wayne has finally come to some realization and is able to 
because he didn't have anyone in his life to articulate this to him, right? Right. To even help him try to understand the mistakes he's making. So he just fumble-fucked his way through it and probably fucked up his kid in the process. I think it's a super powerful scene yeah. to, to just come to terms with that and try and guide his son in this moment to not make those same mistakes he did. Right. Yeah, I, do, what do you think the point... Uh, do you think this is actually going to be something about Henry, or do you think this is more just character development for Wayne? Um, I think this is more just for Wayne. Okay. I, I don't know if this is going to be a huge point going forward now that we kind of got the reveal yeah. on the, the infidelity. Yeah, I was kind of enamored with the theory that maybe uh, this is actually going to be about Henry solving the case, and I don't know. It feels like there's just not enough time to pivot there. Yeah, he's so tangentially involved mm -hmm. that I, I don't see it but yeah it's more of like um it's another prism of regret for mm -hmm. kind of wayne to fo focus his life through as what i think they're using it for yeah uh anyway old man wayne and roland are in wayne's study and this is just a tragic and frustrating scene that Man, when he comes back from the bathroom. And it's just like every time you're going to have to start from the scratch. And I thought there was something interesting in the way Roland picked up this book and sees like just how underlined the note and expanded. Like, am I supposed to understand the way he treated it almost seemed like this guy is a guy who just can't remember anything he's taken. Since we know that Amelia was not privy to maybe everything that was on Wayne's mind and Wayne kept things from her, like mm -hmm. it's kind of dangerous for this guy to read her memoir and act like it's a a solid frozen distillation of history, right? Like, For sure. Yeah. That could be just as dangerous as anything else. And I think that we're in danger of, and, and I know Nick said that there was going to be no unreliable narration, but I, I, I don't know how true that can possibly be. If, if we see a guy who's taking a work of, you know, it's, it's, it's true crime. So it's, I don't think it's just a pack of lies and made up, but it's, 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 it's filtered through people's, opinions and the and, and incomplete information like still not great police work it doesn't seem like are am i are we supposed to be getting that or i mean i i think that's certainly a valid way to look at it um i, I kind of it, i know that wayne has moments of lucidity right where mm -hmm. he can remember and and it seems like more often than not mm -hmm. he can kind of remember most things mm -hmm. about this case so Although there's one big glaring exception, which I think is James. Mm. Uh, but but it's interesting to see him sort of using this book as his memory mm -hmm. in a strange way. Yeah. And I, I think, like you said, yeah, it's a, it could be unreliable. Um, it, it could be a bad idea to do that, but it's, I don't know, it's kind of cool. There's also a, a por an important part of the scene is, you know, Wayne is still paranoid about this dark sedan. Yeah. Roland looks out and says there's nothing there, but... And this is why the the evil Roland theories kind of like are still rolling. They choose not to confirm. It'd be so easy to do inset of him looking out, seeing that there is in fact not a. But he, we have to take his word for he's it. He's dirty. He's dirty. He's. I don't think even he's, even thirty years later, he's dirty. <laughs> I don't think he's dirty, but I do think that they are doing that intentionally so they can play with the idea. I mean, okay. why, why yeah. else not? Why else not confirm right. it? Um, and that. Like, you know, roll. So, I really like the last scene where they're kind of mounting up together in the in the very last of last episode. But when Roland says, "What what are we doing, man?" I do feel like, okay, they've got some names, they got some addresses. Can you imagine these fuckers rolling up? 
<laughs> right. They don't have badges anymore. <laughs> no, they don't have <laughs> so, the full bag of marbles between the two of them. Like, right. It's going to be a shit show. It is. But, uh, I hope we get to see at least one uh, meet and greet with a, a you name. Know, I'm wondering how they're going to play that and not have it be just pathetic or funny. Uh, I mean, it, I'm 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 really invested in storyline, so I, I hope they can do it. But wow, it's going to be like it just seems like every single time they have an interaction, it's just profoundly sad. Mm hmm. All right. Do you have anything else you want to say about the? Yeah. Um. Since we're in Roland or sorry, Wayne's study, uh, I just wanted to make it explicit. I know. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on in my head that I don't know that I actually said, but the reason this killing of James is basically a lock in my mind Mm -hmm. is because he looks exactly like the guy who is in the flashback that Wayne has of all those dead people. Oh, the ghosts, the, the one that he, yeah, ghosts. the one that he touches, the one in the suit. It, it, Do you really it's think almost so? A hundred percent guaranteed that that's the guy. I think you're probably right, but I went back because I, I went back and watched that scene for a variety of reasons. Oh, um, okay. And I thought that they didn't really resemble each other. Does it look like Michael Rooker? It doesn't. Ooh, oh shit! I didn't look. I didn't look at the guy's face with that in mind. No. Because I didn't see Michael Rooker in the picture, picture until I knew it was Michael Rooker. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Michael right. Rooker. Yeah. Um, and also, because I, I had to verify the presence of like a Woodard ghost. And the Woodard ghost, I don't think, looks like Woodard unless you really know that that's supposed to. So uh, I was like, okay. he, this guy's got pretty red hair. I think the, uh, the guy in the, the, the ghost scene has got very dark hair and it's styled slightly differently. But I, the again, lighting is all weird. The light, and, and, yeah. and I know that's supposed to be Woodard and I don't know whether a part of his face is blown off or what. But everyone's face is kind of like leaning forward at a 45 degree angle and they're lit from above. And it's it's very hard. So I mean, when you combine they, they weren't wearing the exact same outfit because he was wearing like a paisley. Right. The, the ghost has got a paisley side. And this guy's it's so it's it's. We haven't seen him wear that outfit yet. <laughs> right. But, I'm still looking for it. But if James shows up in a paisley tie, it's his ass that episode. <laughs> right. Just and when you combine like the sort of resemblance to that ghost and also the the very big secret around James yeah. that Roland said they have yeah. in twenty fifteen old man terms. Yeah. It it's almost a lock. And I wouldn't surprise me if like tomorrow on the True Detective subreddit there's someone's taken that, lightened it in photoshop and actually put it like side by side and be like yep it's the same guy so yeah um but it makes sense it makes sense i could (laughs) see i could see roland and wayne going off half cocked on this guy oh yeah although i think it's full cocked like it is it might not be the full story kill tom or at least take him captive he absolutely knew about this girl probably was was part of it involved in the cover-up involved in the framing uh uh, operation like yeah this guy if anyone deserves to die in the universe extrajudicially he probably does so (laughs) um yeah uh do we do we have anything else you want to talk about should we get the feedback let's do feedback hey before we get the feedback i want to tell you about the club if you're enjoying our true detective coverage uh the reason that it's possible for us to do this and all the other podcasts we do is because we have generous support from our listeners in the form of the club if you go to club.baldmove.com uh, you can preview all of the things you get for joining the club. There's bonus content in the form of uh, extra video uh, and audio podcasts that we do. 
There are exclusive spoiler review, uh, spoilery reviews of uh, uh, first-run movies that we're doing. Like last week, we did Lego. The Lego movie this week, we're going to be doing Alita Battle Angel um, and tons more. Again, if you go to club.baldmove.com, there's a lot of free samples you can just check out and see, like, what is a lunch with Jim and Aaron? What is Equip? What are some of these other bonus pieces of content? Uh and then if you are persuaded, you can start a 30-day trial just by going to club.baldmove.com and start an account. Again, club.baldmove.com. Feedback, true detective at baldmove.com. You can also go on our forums, forums.baldmove.com, to discuss things with your fellow fan. First up, Roy, about your pod in Episode 5 when talking about Woodward's suicide by cop. You talk about the scene in Episode 4 with all the ghosts of people that Wayne has killed. I'm going to cut this short since we already talked about it. I've given Roy the first credit since he was the one that sent it in first, but... There is from like fifty seven nineteen on the HBO Go uh, uh, to fifty seven nineteen and point two. Yeah, for like three <laughs> seconds. There's like, and I think it looks like a naked Vietnamese woman. I honestly <laughs> thought that's what it was okay. because, like, you know, Woodard's overexposed. He's very a pale very tall and he's got long hair and it's hanging in his face and he's kind of got some man boobs going. Um, huh. Like, and but but something really weird about the guy's face. Again, I'm not sure if like his face is half blown out or it's just a weird kid. It, it, yeah. I, I said that he wasn't in that scene. I guess I was wrong. Oh, I thought that. like, if you go back, like even knowing and looking, I'm like, yes, that's probably Woodard, but boy, it's, it's, uh, the yeah. way they shot that stuff, it's very ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think that now that everyone in that room is someone that he's killed justifiably or not, it's, it's like, I thought maybe it's just the people he was guilty about. Yeah. They're his regrets. But yeah, I think it's everybody's probably killed. It seems like um, yeah. a pumpkin Dan- lady's in there too. Is she? Yeah, take a look. <laughs> take a look. Go back, rewind. Oh man, uh, Daniel J. Does it bother you guys that Hayes is supposedly an ace detective, which would require him to be able to read the smallest facial gestures and have a strong sensitivity to others? But he seems to be missing even the smallest social cues from friends, family, and coworkers at nearly every turn. Does that bother you, Jim? Do you is agree he with that him? analysis? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that he's missing him. I think a lot of the times he just doesn't want to doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah, I think like that at the dinner, it's not he's not missing social crews. He's just desperately trying to maintain control of a situation. Yeah, that and basically every scene with Amelia. Yeah, like he knows what's going on here. He yeah. just won't admit it or can't admit it or yeah. or can't deal with it. Yeah, I think it's. I think you're mistaking like inability. You're mistaking emotional constipation for inability <laughs> to to read the room. Yeah. Um. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how this uh, plays out in the f- next few episodes. Ted, one c- quick prediction for True Detective that doesn't have any impact on a crime story, but does have significant impact on Hayes. I'm guessing that Wayne's daughter died young, and he's forgotten. Remember at the dinner table when his son and daughter-in-law were so troubled by the fact that Wayne forgot her whereabouts? I think they've made up the West Coast story so they don't have to tell him over and over again that she died. Not much to substantiate this, but I have a hunch. I mean, that's standard Alzheimer's person treatment. Like, if there's a really difficult thing, like their ex-wife or their wife is dead and they wonder where she is, just just say something that'll placate them. Like, oh, she'll be back or... You know, she went it's like it's just try try not to fight them over that stuff because it's just painful. You'll have to do it five minutes from now anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I did think Rebecca was going to be more important to the story, but two episodes left. I'm not so sure. Well, see, now I'm wondering if like somehow they died together, like there was a car accident. And Amelia and, yeah, and Rebecca. Because like 
the mother and her dying like the it, i think either the west coast thing is true she's she's essentially estranged and the west coast thing is true or her, and her mom died in like some kind of freak accident um which you know happens you know family members driving the cars together and um that sucks mm-hmm. so anything else do you, do you want to dwell on that a little bit more should we move on let's keep going brandon r he references an esquire interview um the, from a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned the there's this where Stephen Dorff says that he's talked to Nick, Nick Pizzolatto and he says he has an idea for season four where he would actually bring Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey and Mahershala and Stephen back somehow to tie the seasons together. Uh, and there is like we mentioned last week, there's kind of an Easter egg of um. That, that, that we've seen the producer with um, mug shots of Marty Cole and, and uh, Russ Cole, Marty Cole, Marty and Russ um, up on her little tablet that she's showing Wayne. I I'm deeply suspicious of an idea that would bring this all together. And I don't know that I want that. Like, I, I don't not want it, but I also don't want it. Right. Like there's, there's no reason to do that. Right. In my mind. But if you have a great idea, and it works, then I guess go for it. But yeah, don't I mean, force it. Yeah, if it if it's if it's as well conceived as like seasons one and three, and it works together like that, then great. But yeah, my first result is, or my first my first thought is like I don't see the old men getting getting along with the slightly less older men. Maybe that's maybe that's gonna be the whole point. <laughs> it's like a weird like buddy cop. Only it's like a buddy cop, buddy cop. Shot, shoved up another buddy cop's ass. <laughs> That's just not something that I have ever considered wanting. Yeah. How would you even share the time for those stories? Like, I don't know. They're trying to track down the Yellow King further. Uh, as, yeah. Maybe the Yellow King is is Hoyt or somebody who yeah. has, like, stolen this kid as well. Yeah, it's all a big conspiracy, multi-state. I mean, look, if he it's... makes it, I'll watch it. And I will try to give, I'll it, I'll give it a fair shot. I'll be watching through my fingers going, yeah. oh, fuck they're gonna ruin this yeah and if it but, starts to be good then it'll be good and if it goes right. bad then it'll be bad uh but that's that's an idea that seems crazy on the face of it so like if it ends up being bad the like kind of risk to reward on a on a game plan like that is pretty pretty up there yeah don't try and pull something like that off when you've just now gotten back into the good graces of the audience yeah and certainly don't fucking rush that to market like yeah you take one year to write that thing it's gonna be shit uh, did you see on r slash true detective this week someone posted this super cut of every word every time someone said uh, Casper or Diamonds in season two of True Detective? No. There's like a three minute super cut of just people saying Casper, 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 Diamonds, Casper, Diamonds, Casper, Diamonds. It's like, it's really funny. It's really, really funny. I highly recommend huh. it. You know what? I'm going to link to I'm going to link to Esquire interview in the show notes. I'm going to link to Casper, Casper, Diamonds uh true detective although you can also just find it uh if you don't want to wait you can just find that by going on youtube and and searching for it oh also i think we should revisit the subject at the end of the season if someone will remind us because it might be when we see like like let's say that like neither wayne nor roland makes it out of the season then I don't care what Nick Pizzolatto was telling these guys. There's no fucking way that they're gonna they're gonna unless it happened in like 2000. But they <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess right? like you can, yeah, you maybe. can do like a middle of the road flashback. You meet in the middle where the season. I 
and then just just uh, Wayne's forgotten about it, forgotten about his connection <laughs> right. to the Louisiana and shit. Doesn't feel like bringing it up. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. All right, Chris from Australia. I've been thinking all season the reporter is someone's daughter, and that's why she's so interested in the case. I almost personal. guarantee she's someone's daughter. I can almost <laughs> guarantee it. <laughs> she did not come from a vat. <laughs> right. Um, she isn't the right age for most of the characters. She's too young to be Julie, etc. Last episode, I started thinking it's Harris James' daughter. We don't know if she he had kids, but he would be the right age if he had one in the 1980s. She's constantly asking about him and the integrity of the police investigation, almost fishing for a motive. Next week, it looks like we're going to meet this man's widow. Um, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, that 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 happens. The deuce uh, had a whole plot line about a, a closeted gay man with a family and, uh, you know, hold, holding both of those things down at the same time. Wouldn't wouldn't uh, wouldn't blow my hair back to find out. It would, I guess, blow my hair back to find out that she is his daughter, because I think Roland would be. Well, first of all, do you think the Roland would know that? Mm, I guess it's... why why would you suspect that? Also, does Roland even know this reporter at this point? Well, no, he knows. Yeah, I mean, he yeah, because they reached out to talk to him and he told him to fuck off. Ah, right. So now I don't know if that's a like a uh, representative of her on her behalf or she he yeah. said that to her himself. Like, there's I don't know. Not everybody has to be somebody. There. In a show, or yeah. not everybody has to be connected that intimately to the thing. I, Sometimes that shit even hurts, like Chewbacca being Yoda's best friend. I mean, yeah, doesn't this, seem like something that would happen in an actual galaxy. But who, who's the woman who made cereal? Uh, Nina Totenberg, no, no. Terry Gross, no, uh, <laughs> uh, Linda McNPR, no. But it, it, it's it, if. <laughs> Like, that's, like, speculating, like, this woman whose name I can't think of at the moment, uh-huh. uh, who I loved her podcast, was, like, the the mother of Adnan. Sarah Koenig. Sarah Koenig, yeah. Uh, if she was the mother of Adnan, right? right? Like, oh, she's doing this thing. She must be connected to him somehow. Right. No, she just found the story interesting. That's what reporters do. They find interesting stories and they pursue them. Yeah. I, she doesn't have to be anybody. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like, imagine the guy, because, like, she's personal, everyone seems like that, like, the guy in the jinx, like, it seems like he's, like, really going for, yeah, he he's really going for the throat because he thought this guy's a murderer, Yeah, and he couldn't believe how much gold he was being given, like, yeah, that's, like, having a, ha- getting a live one on the line, that's the, what these people live for, so mm-hmm. I think Wayne is that kind of proverbial live one, he's trying, and it's a, it's a, it's a, I think one of the brilliant things is it's a really cool cat and mouse, because mm-hmm. he's trying to like fish for information from her, yeah. In the same, and and she's trying to do the same. They're both trying to give each other just enough to make sure they're not the other one doesn't huff off after and it'd be a waste of time, you know. Mm-hmm. So, Andrew from North Dakota, I was in agreement of recent sentiment that the case itself wasn't that interesting anymore, but an excellent achievement for the show to reamplify the mystery this late in the game with some great game changer events. I found it very creepy, but I'm finding it's a little pulp. I'm wondering if I'm liking the story being this big because I think it may lose some realism, but it's not that far off from bizarre aspects of a real world. Uh, sadly, at that, I think what he's trying to get at is like, I think we're all aware that there are probably a lot of like big, powerful pedophilia organizations that run in the world. Uh, there's a lot of weird conspiracy theories around it, but I think that some of them are probably true. And there's seems like every day somebody from Hollywood or in po- and politics gets busted for this kind of shit. Um, 
I so yes, it does feel silly that a man that owns a town and a business and all that stuff would kidnap a child and do some kind of reverse raising Arizona, but it's the rich, powerful people to do that shit, right? Like even I mean, if I wanted need, to kidnap yeah. someone's kid and build a pink castle and do, I would, I would, I personally would not have the personal capital and wherewithal to do that. You got to be rich and connected to have the audacity to do that, pull it off, and get away with it. It seems like it, yeah. So it's kind of like a self-selecting thing, you know? Why is the Earth in the perfect Goldilocks zone between the sun and the outer planets? Because if we were any other place, we wouldn't be around here making the observation that we're in the Goldilocks zone. It's like right, self-fulfilling prophecy or something. Um, anything else to add to that? Nope. F- moving on to Stas. Just in case you don't get this perspective from another listener prior to Tuesday, as an attorney and former prosecutor, I can tell you that there's no way in the 90s that phone call could possibly be used as evidence against Tom Purcell. It lacks foundation, a legal term used to describe facts relating to the sourcing and reliability of a piece of evidence, because the caller refuses to identify herself except circumstantially. It also doesn't qualify for any known exception to this rule that keeps hearsay and out-of-court statement out of evidence in a court of law. The AG and former DA should know this immediately. A seasoned detective is usually at least loosely familiar with these concepts as well. That the AG keeps talking about the phone call, inadmissible evidence, as a basis for the indictment of Tom should be a red flag. He's really eager to pin something on Tom and close this case again ASAP. Certainly this could be motivated by politics, but on a show like this, it's much more likely that the AG is involved in a conspiracy. Does this hey, change? Probably not wrong. Does this change your mind a little bit about you know whether it's just politics or it's an actual conspiracy? It doesn't really change my mind. No, I, I still think this guy is a political creature, but he might be inadvertently playing the conspiracy game. Mm. Uh, it could just be that Hoyt is a very powerful man in the area, powerful businessman. He doesn't want to upset him. Um, so it's still politics. It's just more. Like, there's politics that are understandable, like, ooh, we got a murder case involving children, I need to get this cleared because I got an election coming up, and then there's politics. Yeah, and The next like, level is there's a rich guy breathing down my neck to bend justice. Like, right. next level corruption. And, I mean, maybe he's on that next level of corruption. Maybe Hoyt, you know, is, b- because he's involved, Hoyt's involved in this conspiracy, is pushing to get yeah. this case closed, offering some carrot or some stick to the yeah. AG. Yeah. Um it's possible. I I guess it's it remains to be seen. Uh, I'm totally up in the air on the AG uh-huh. so far. My my initial reaction is just let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He's just a political creature, mm-hmm. and that makes him scuzzy. But it doesn't make him a conspiracy murderer and kidnapper. But I don't know. I could be wrong. One other thing I want to throw in here: Are we one hundred percent sure that Nick Pizzolatto knows the ins and outs on this on these laws? Like, I would have suspected him to do his homework and all that stuff, but, like, um, I mean, honestly, as a a show-going just watcher, I'm unaware of the distinction, so, like, I I couldn't, I wasn't, until this guy laid it out, I'm like, oh. I mean, it made sense when he did it, but, like, when I was watching, I wasn't thinking, like, oh, man, his AG is just, like, playing fast and loose with the law. I thought he was playing fast and loose with the facts, but the the law aspect I, I, I wasn't sure about. And does the fingerprint on the phone make any difference? Like, is that... Well, does that there cross you go. the threshold from circumstantial if, to if they if they get a partial print mar- matching Julie from the phone bank that she made the phone call from? I don't right. know, Stas. Does that change your opinion? I mean, probably not. You've probably yeah. considered that, and it's still circumstantial. Uh, uh, 
which I will say, case, yeah, we'll see. We, we did have another legal question from Tom G uh, from West Virginia, noted poet. Uh, he says, I, I posted this in a forum thread for discussion episode last week. He says, I hope one of the Bald Move community lawyers contributes feedback to on the post posthumous conviction. Is this a common or uncommon procedure, easier than normal or harder uh, in general thoughts? This week, I thought the episode went out of its way to tell us that law enforcement and the prosecutor were going to pursue the conviction of a dead man. It seems the showrunner knows the narrative needs some explaining. Suicide by cop happens, as does murder-suicide. I do not know of any of these criminals that were convicted posthumously. Posthumously, um, so I guess if uh, anybody wants to take a stab at like what is, I mean, I, I think the show itself says it's pretty rare, but it's something that they're doing to kind of like put a period, like underline the finality of something. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it does seem. I mean, that does seem nakedly. It reminds me of like whenever a pope would exhume an old dead pope and act, do, do you remember this like in the med- medieval ages sometimes they'd put a dead pope on trial like dig his body out throw him throw the body in in a stand and do this show trial like how can you do that isn't the isn't the pope the mouth pe- mouth piece of god not when he's a pretender and he's moldering <laughs> in his grave and the rightful pope is trying doesn't, to do d- doesn't prosecuting a dead pope over those sorts of things undermine your authority as the current Pope? I don't know, but we're going to find out in season the two fuck? of The Young Pope. I hope so. Stay tuned, because we're so. going to exhume Jude Loss's dead ass, and we're going to put him on trial. <laughs> uh, okay, our final piece of feedback uh, is Caleb T. And they say, one of the most interesting things about this season is how, with two episodes ago, the audience largely has the broad strokes of the investigation figured out well before detect- detectives do. Mm-hmm. There are still some holes to fill, but this I like this twist on the investigation troop, trope. When the detectives find in find info that cracks a case at the same time as the audience. The way that they have used secondary characters to reveal information has been brilliant. There's a season four. I sure hope HBO allows Pizzolatto to take time because it's clear that when he does, he produces masterful work. Oh, it's so much better. Yeah, like True Detective should be the show that like comes back every two to three to four years when mm-hmm. he's got a good another good one. Like just just keep on noodling until you got it because it's yeah I can't That's argue. Why I said that Rust and Marty uh-huh. tie in should not happen in a yeah. year. I mean, if you because that's a hard thing already, and then yeah, like even even Ryan Murphy on a crazy show like American Horror Story put that shit off till season eight. <laughs> you know you you yeah. want you want to kind of be limping to the finish line before you pull pull a, a tie everything in an anthology series together because mm-hmm. why not? Um. So, yeah, I, I but yeah, I agree with uh, I again, I, I marvel that with this kind of nesting storyline and timelines that they're able to keep us as much in the dark as they have without it feeling frustrating. Mm-hmm. Like I could see them trying doing that and making it very, very annoying to watch. But that's that's not been the case. Two more episodes to go, Jim. Yeah, uh, we should get some. I imagine we'll get some big answers. We'll probably close out the 90s investigation next week. Mm-hmm. And then we just have the the ultimate truth of, of two old dudes, one of them with uh, half of his brains leaking out of his ears <laughs> yeah. uh, to wrap things up in season eight or sorry, episode eight mm-hmm. season eight's when he's going to bring Russ Cole and <laughs> right. Marty and uh, and, and uh, after shit. five more season twos. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, will he also get uh, oh shoot? What's the the notebook girl from season two? Did Rachel she die? McAdams. Rachel, did she die? I don't remember. I've blocked all memory of that season out of my head. Well, that's five hundred utterances of the word uh, Casper, <laughs> with diamonds. about seventy five yeah. references to diamonds. Is what you what you lost? Uh, okay, 
that's that's a wrap for this episode. Please send your feedback in to truedetective at baldmove.com. Or again, we got our forums, forums.baldmove.com. Check out all the great content we've got here going on at baldmove.com. And we will see you next week for the penultimate episode. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.